Okay, let's go ahead and read together from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints, and also for me. That words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychius. <laughs> Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. Let's pray together. Lord, as we prepare to jump into this text that closes out Ephesians, we pray that you would be active and speak, working in our hearts, being present with us in spirit so that we may learn and grow. We pray through Christ. Amen. Well, ready or not, here I come. No, it's not a giant game of hide and seek, although that could be really fun. I'm actually talking about the year 2020. It seems like everyone I've been talking to lately is experiencing something familiar. 2020 has taken us all by surprise. By far, this has been the strangest year of my life. I remember laughing with friends way back in January about how it felt like it was the longest month ever. We joked about how it was still January. And yet now, it feels like yesterday was January. It feels like we just went into some space and time wormhole, like a Bermuda Triangle of reality. It seems like out of nowhere, 2020 hit. I saw this meme online recently where it's someone being fully prepared for the year 2020, and then 2020 shows up and nails us. So during the week when I was preparing to teach about the armor of God passage in Ephesians, I kept thinking about this photo. I, I know I'm super weird, but whatever. I should have been thinking about Chucky, no Chucky Doke Black Knights all the way Shout out to all my friends in Lower Afton right now. 
There's like literally a suit of armor set up at the school. But seriously, I kept thinking about that image, not just because it's a hilarious way to think about the year 2020, but also because it describes my emotions and my fears from VBS and church camp where we were learning about the armor of God. I remember learning as a kid, rather than feeling safe as we worked through this passage and strong, I began to feel very nervous. Maybe that's just the perfectionist part of me or my tendency to overanalyze, but I seriously remember being nervous and afraid of putting on my armor the wrong way. For me, it was like getting one of those escape room puzzles. Hey, here's a nail and a piece of string and an apple. You should be able to get your entire group across this 15-foot wide ditch. Now, go. What? Like, how about I just eat the apple and fall in the ditch? Because there's no way I'm going to figure this out. And even though I heard so many wonderful teachings about the armor of God, I worried that I was going to mess it up, not do it correctly. Was the truth the helmet thing? No, that's wrong. Ah, ah. So I grew up wanting to just get out of the battle entirely. I remember really not wanting anything to do with spiritual warfare. Although I do dig that song about being in the Lord's army. You may have moved to Greene County to get away from it all. And engaging in a battle and putting on armor, this may not interest you one bit. But the big news of the scripture that we are in is that all of us are in the battle. No matter how deeply we desire to experience a life that is marked by peace, this scripture reminds us that we are in a battle. And so my desire to sit it out doesn't matter because the battle is not optional. You don't get to age out of this one. There's no free pass for those like me who are worried about putting things on incorrectly and we just want to sit out. All Christians are in the battle and the battle is real. It's not against flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle against evil. In Acts chapter 19, it tells of Paul's visit to Ephesus where books of magic were burned and people were converting from pagan practices to Christianity. So needless to say, the Ephesians did not need any convincing that spiritual battles were real. However, we sometimes do need convincing that spiritual battles are real because we focus on the temporal, what we can see, which is why I think we are so often engaged in the wrong battles. I was actually going to tell a story right here as an illustration about in World War I how soldiers fought to take the wrong hill. But did you know that just about every war in history has a story about trying to take the wrong hill? I read of multiple stories of an army fighting for the wrong hill. So I was processing this and then it hit me that this is why we have that phrase that it's not a hill to die on. Fighting for the wrong hill is much too common. And these are sad stories. No one wants to die fighting for the wrong victory. And yet so many Christians today are fighting the wrong battles. Too many Christians are engaged in a battle for the wrong hill. 
and some are even engaged with the wrong enemy. This is why we need to hear this truth from Scripture. We are all in the battle, ready or not, we're in it. So how can we be sure that we are engaged in the right battle against the right enemy? How can we be sure that we're not fighting the wrong mission against the wrong enemy? Look, there's no shortage of battles to be fought. All around us, we are pulled towards engaging in battles. You only need to open social media or read through the news and instantly you are recruited into a battle. And these these battles that we are engaged in, the people are convinced that it's worth it and that it's the right hill to take at the right time. But friends, this is all the more reason that we must find our instructions in God's word. You want to know what God calls us to stand for? You don't need to look in social media. You need to look in scripture. So let's dive into our text today to discover the answer together. In Ephesians chapter 6, we started in verse 10, and it says, finally, and Paul is saying, I've said all this stuff already, and now I'm about to say something that wraps it all together. So we have to pay attention to all of the previous text that we've worked through. Paul has detailed everything that God has done for us in Christ and how we are united together as his church. And this all becomes crucial context for appropriately understanding this section of text. Because all too often, here's what happens. We jump in to this last section in our Bible study and we become battle happy, suiting up in armor, ready to roll without keeping the rest of the book in context. So as we look and we read here, we need to be mindful of the context. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We titled this whole series, Ephesians, a church built on Christ. Not only because this is the overarching theme of the book, but because when it's all said and done, Our desire at First Christian Church is for this to be true for us. And it's the whole message of the letter. So this is what we want. We want to be built on Christ. Maybe you want to write this down. God's eternal plan and sovereign power include and unite all people through the establishing and building of the church upon Jesus Christ. Christ. This is God's plan. So as we read here, we keep this in mind, Ephesians 10, 6, 10, it says, finally, Paul is urging us, be strong, be firmly rooted and built on Christ. That verb that says to be strong is passive in the Greek, and it means be made strong or to, to be strengthened. It indicates that this empowering is something that is done to us, not something that we do to ourselves. This is exactly what Paul has been teaching throughout this letter, that God has done this work as a demonstration of his power. This is not a demonstration of our strength or our power. It is God's strength 
given to us. And so for a guy that grew up worried about doing this all wrong, I I worried that I was going to suit up incorrectly or that I was going to be too weak. This is a huge relief. One commentator says it this way. The meaning is not that you are to be strong as having your strength in the Lord, but that you are to be strong as being yourselves in the Lord. We are in him, covered by his blood and robed in righteousness, members of his household, sons and daughters in union with him. We are loved. And so having faith that God has made us new and has made us his and has made us able is essential before we will experience God's victory. We must remember who we are in Christ and that God has chosen to display his power and glory through the uniting of believers as his church. When this display of power happens, when God works in his church, the enemy tries with every tool available to him to frustrate and foil the plan. When God begins to bless a church, Satan begins to attack the same church. So as I reflect on all that God has done among us over these past few years, I am humbled that God has chosen to work in such amazing ways at First Christian Church. But the enemy of God will not rest. He is not tired from fighting the purposes of God for thousands of years. So when God begins to bless a church, Satan begins to attack the same church. What are we to do? Let's continue in chapter 6, verse 11, where it says, Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. You notice that it doesn't say that we battle and that we resist the attack with the same weaponry used to assault us. Not at all. The tactics of the enemy are deceit and lies, arrows of doubt, division, slander. We do not defeat the enemy by engaging in the same tactics that he uses against us. In fact, the truth is that we don't need to worry about defeating the enemy at all. The enemy has already been defeated. The battle has been won. We're not in some offensive mission trying to take ground from the devil. So I want you to underline in verse 11 the word stand. Underline that. If you write in your Bible, underline the word stand. And then let's look again at verse 13 and keep going where it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 12 tells us we stand against the schemes. Verse 13 says we withstand in the evil day. And verse 13 says, having done all, we stand firm. Now look at verse 14. You guessed it. The very first word, stand. Four times we are told to stand And this passage 
is so often interpreted as this battle cry to charge out into the world and take ground from the devil. That's just not what's being taught here. Ephesians is a book that opens up with the predestined work of God through Jesus Christ. Before the foundation of the world, the will of God was decreed and it has been revealed. The mystery, you remember chapter three of Ephesians, revealed in Christ. And now in chapter six, we are told to stand firm. If we had more time, we could even dive in to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament to learn about how the armor that's described here is connected to the armor of the Messiah himself. This is not some armor that we receive from God for good behavior, like a scout badge. Now you've earned your shield. We are told to put on the very armor of Christ himself. And furthermore, Paul uses this analogy, the the idea of an armor. But even if he didn't, Even if he'd have just written, put on truth and righteousness and readiness and faith and take hold of salvation and the gospel, the meaning would be the same. This was the point from the very beginning. We stand firm against the assaults of Satan because we have strength in the power of God's might. God provides the power that enables us to stand against Satan's attacks. Jump forward all the way to verse 18, where it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The piercing question of this verse is that we would ask, in the battle, how often do we pray? In our efforts to unify even our nation right now, how often and how much are we praying? John 17, Jesus prays, and in his prayer he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, talking about his followers, but that you keep them, protect them from the evil one. And just a couple sentences Later, Jesus prays for the unity of these believers so that the whole world might see and believe. This is the very prayer of Jesus. Does this match our prayers today? Church, listen. We are unified in Jesus, built upon Christ so that we might display the glory of God. So if you remember with me, back to those VBS lessons, or those kids' church or Sunday school classes where you learned about the armor of God. I hope you have a memory of that because those lessons are great. Working through the armor and thinking about what it means for us to have the belt of truth. See, I know it's not the helmet. It makes for great teaching. And so I hope you have memories of these lessons. I shared with you my memory of them and how it stirred up anxiety and fear of messing it up. I was talking with a preacher friend of mine and he was saying that his experience was exactly the opposite. With the very same VBS lessons, he remembers being pumped up and ready to grab a sword and go to battle. He had dreams of winning the world with Bible in hand. 
whether you have a tendency to withdraw like me or charge forward like my friend or somewhere in between, we all must be sure that we are engaged in the right battle with the right equipment. The current situation of our culture is so full of battles, battles with one another. It's, it's dizzying to even think of. As I see Christians in conflict with one another over opinions about current events, I wonder if we have forgotten that our enemy is not one another. When Christians engage in conflict with one another, we end up destroying the very unity that Jesus offers, the very unity that he prayed for in John 17. First Christian church, let's not get distracted fighting the wrong battles for the wrong reasons. The gospel mission is far too important. What if we stopped just charging up every hill and taking on every battle in front of us and we paused and allowed God to speak to us through this text? Can we do that now together just for a moment? We've been reflecting each week on a question together and I'd like for us to do that now again. Have you been engaged in any battles that you need to resign so that you can refocus according to the instruction in our text today? For still our ancient foe does seek to work us war. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his strength confide our striving would be losing were not the right man on our side the man of God's own choosing you ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is he Lord Sabaoth his name from age to age the same and he must win the battle and he must win the battle friends rather than charging forward up the wrong hill, what if we would stand and recall the hill where the battle was truly won? There was a hill called Calvary where our Savior walked. And as Jesus walked up this hill, he went without the traditional armor that so many, including his own disciples, desired, even expected of him. And despite being stripped naked, he was fully suited 
and the armor of God. The battle is won. Let's put on the armor and stand firm. Lord, thank you for the victory that we know and have in Christ, our Savior. We find our strength, in fact, all of our strength in your might. Unite us as your church to proclaim this testimony to the world, not for our glory, not that we might stand upon a hill and chant about our own action, but so that we might point to the hill of Calvary at the work of Jesus Christ our Lord and say, great, great are you, Lord. Thank you. We pray through Christ. Amen.